Deja vu. It's Chad Inman here once again to continue our exploration of the Gospel of Matthew. Today we'll be looking at the end of chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. Let's get right into it. I will be reading from the New Living Translation. As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside, asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Okay. So this is a brief passage and yet it's just so rich. I wonder, have you ever been connected to a group of people who are united around a common theme? A unifying force can be so powerful, right? It's easy for us to be honest and vulnerable. Compassion and empathy come so much easier and naturally. As others share, we hear our own story in theirs. I am an addict. By the grace of God, an addict in recovery, but still an addict. As such, I have had the pleasure of taking part in support groups alongside others who struggle with the same compulsive behavior that I do. I have had the benefit of the wisdom of those further along in their recovery journey and the blessing of timely reminders from those who are discovering things for the first time. Currently, I'm a part of two groups, both of which approach recovery from a Christian standpoint. In the years that I have participated in these two groups, there is a statement that I have heard numerous times. Here it is verbatim. This is my church. This phrase is both encouraging, that someone dealing with so much shame and suffering finally found a place where they could be truly known and accepted, and also so sad because they never felt that freedom from their faith community. Why is that? Why is it that a group of addicts or people trying to live healthier lives or a room full of people mourning the loss of loved ones experience such a powerful sense of love, acceptance, and belonging. And yet, all too often, people who are in a regular part of a faith community experience distant surface-level relationships. I'm convinced that there are two components present in support groups that aren't always a part of our faith community experiences. In today's passage, Jesus states, Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is highlighting the first thing that has been present in every support group that I have been a part of, a unifying mission. In the case of my group, experiences, the mission is recovering and healing. So what about our faith community? What does it look like for Watermark to live a life on mission? What does it look like for each of us individually? In chapter 22, verses 37 through 39 of Matthew, Jesus states that the greatest commandments are to love God and to love people around us. In Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, Jesus instructs his followers to go and share with others his message, to make them disciples of Jesus. So the mission of the church ought to be to love God, love those around us, and to share Jesus' message and story. But here's the thing. Jesus lived out his mission alongside his followers. Additionally, we see in his story that whenever he gave his followers an assignment, 
It was in the context of a group or a pair. So living out our mission is meant to be done not in isolation, but in the context of community. The second aspect of a support group that is key to rich community is described by the author of the letter to the Ephesians in chapters 4, verses 2 and 3. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the, in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Over and over again, I've been blessed to witness the freeing and life-giving act of someone sharing their story for the first time. These individuals finally had a place where they knew they could be accepted. They didn't have to worry about whether they would disgust others or be seen as some sort of monster. They were finally free to share without having to worry about being rejected. I can't even begin to describe how freeing and life-giving it was for me when I was able to remove the weight of shame and secrecy and share my story in all its gory detail for the first time. So then, the second part of life or of faith community coming together is to be able to be vulnerable. So what about you? Where can you cultivate deeper community in your life? Maybe it's being intentional to hold others' stories well, to suspend judgment and simply listen with compassion. Maybe it's taking a risk in the context of community you are already participating in and choosing to be more open and authentic. And how about mission? Where can we join with others to love others well and share the good news of Jesus Christ? Maybe it's taking part in something already going on here at Watermark, like our support of foster, adoptive, and kinship families in the community. Maybe it's working with others to follow a passion and start something new. Either way, I'm confident of this. Small steps can bring about great change. So let's play. Let's pray, rather. Dear Lord, Thank you so much for the gift of community, Lord. You love it when believers walk together in unity. You love it when your body has one goal, one mind, one spirit. Make us one, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.